Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Catholics with Bibles, the podcast dedicated to empowering Catholics to read, interpret, and pray with sacred scripture with the eyes of faith and reason. I'm your host, Chase Krauss. Let's dive in. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Catholics with Bibles. My name is Chase Krauss, and Happy New Year. It's uh, been a little bit of time since we've done our last podcast because of Christmas and New Year break, and also because of kind of crazy life on my part. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, for everybody who's watching this right now, this is our first time uh, throwing up uh, the podcast on YouTube. So we're going to be starting to do this on YouTube as well. So for all my listeners that have been listening for a really long time, make sure you're going to St. Teresa Catholic Church and School on YouTube, subscribing to our YouTube channel. We have a lot of other content as well. For everybody watching this, hey, what's up? Glad you're watching this already and are subscribed to YouTube. So anyway, a little bit of life update before we get into our usual content with our Greek word of the day and finishing up our Bible study on Galatians. Um, So Christmas was a a little bit crazy, a little bit crazy. Uh, For those that don't know, uh, my wife and I just gave birth to our second child. And I said my wife and I, and I really just mean my wife. I did not, I I didn't physically do it. I know, crazy. But anyway, so we had our second uh, child, a baby boy. His name is Elijah Francis Krauss. Uh, reason for the name, just because I always think it's really awesome to have good reasons to for your names of your kids, not just that you think it sounds good, even though like hopefully you think it sounds good as well. Uh, anyway, um, so the Elijah, um, obviously Elijah from the Old Testament, he's an Old Testament prophet. It's kind of like the like one of the like head honcho prophets of the Old Testament. Uh, but also because I really like the name Eli. Um, but unfortunately, uh, the priest Eli in the Old Testament is kind of a punk. Uh, and if you're named Eli and you're watching this, not saying your name's bad. I'm just saying I like the name Eli a lot. Um, but I didn't want to name my son after Eli in the Old Testament. So we named him Elijah. But I'm going to call him Eli for short. because I, like I, li- I do like the way it sounds. Um, but his name is Elijah, the prophet who called down fire, who had zeal for the Lord. Uh, and Francis as a middle name, because my wife and I have a devotion to St. Francis of Assisi. We got engaged in Assisi, Italy, actually. Um, and so we have like, a devotion to both St. Francis and St. Clair. So Elijah Francis Krauss, he's my son. He's awesome. He looks like a cute little alien monkey right now. Um, and so anyway, um, so a bit of a story. We had Christmas. Christmas was really great. It was awesome. And the due date for my son was originally January 3rd. But my wife actually needed to be induced on the 30th, so December 30th. Um, so, but that's a Wednesday. So the Monday before we, she was supposed to be induced, um, my daughter tested positive with COVID. My daughter is a toddler. Um, so not too much like high risk of anything like really uh, bad happening um, because toddlers are statistically shown to like just be, spring back from COVID really easily. And praise God, um, the worst thing, she had a very, very, very mild fever. Um, and that was about it. Um, but my in-laws also tested positive as well. And, you know, they're they're totally fine now. Um, but it's a bit of a godsend because I tested negative. My wife tested negative. So my toddler had to quarantine with my in-laws in their RV, which Anybody's ever been in an RV? Anybody's ever played with a toddler knows RVs and toddlers don't always mix. Uh, but they survived. They they did great. Um, and so my wife and I ended up uh, going to the hospital on Wednesday. She was induced. She gave birth. It was awesome. It was really, really just a holy moment, a beautiful moment, a um, moment where I, I teared up both my children when they were born. And, um, and it was great. It was awesome. Wednesday was great. Uh, but then Thursday, I started feeling no bueno. Um, and I'm like, oh, shoot, I tested negative a couple of days ago, but I mean, it might just be a, a cold. I don't know. Um, and I talked to the nurse that was helping us out. 
she basically said, well, we can't test you because you're not a patient. Um, and unfortunately, you're in the room already at this point. So um, basically, I just ended up wearing a mask in the room and I just I couldn't really help my wife with the baby. Um, so basically, I don't know if you, have, you guys were given birth or been in a hospital room. They set up like a little cot for like the, the husband um, to sleep like against the wall. So I literally was just like sitting on the cot <laughs> as far away from as I could um, against the wall, um, not feeling great, uh, had like a little bit of the chills um, and uh, just a stupid bad headache. And um, anyway, we got discharged on Friday. I go to like a, a ready clinic right away. Um, I get tested. It does come back positive. So I tested positive uh, for COVID on that Friday. And I really wasn't feeling good by this point. And um, my wife still no symptoms. The baby, no symptoms at this point. Um, and so basically what we had to do is I had to quarantine upstairs for, you know, the allotted quarantine time or whatever it was, 10 days, 14 days, whatever it was. Um, 10 days. I think it was 10 days. We were told 10 days. Anyway, um, and they were, she was downstairs um, with our baby um, for that time as well. And my wife is just like a trooper because my in-laws couldn't come and help uh, because they were still in quarantine with my daughter and my wife never had any symptoms. So praise God, my wife and my newer baby were either asymptomatic or just didn't catch it somehow. Um, so God is good. Uh, so she, he took care of my wife and the baby while I was quarantined upstairs. Um, for me, symptoms only lasted uh, about three or four days. So Thursday started feeling not great. Uh, by Sunday, um, I had a very low grade fever and it went away on Sunday, basically. My headache went away on Sunday. Um, and then I had kind of mild cold symptoms where I had some nasal congestion for about three or four days after that. And then, um, yeah, by Friday of that week, uh, that was like my day eight of quarantine. Um, uh, and I felt basically okay. And I was just kind of getting bored by that point. Um, and then, yeah, quarantine ended uh, officially, officially free on Monday. Um, so needless to say, uh, 2021 has been very interesting so far. Uh, and But praise God, I mean, everybody who did test positive, we're all totally healthy, totally fine. Um, praise God even more the fact that uh, my wife and our newborn son, zero symptoms. They're either asymptomatic or um, just didn't catch it uh, for whatever reason. Um, so, yeah, that's a bit of the reason why uh, we've been a little MIA in the podcast, but we are back and ready to go uh, in this 2021. Um, and so at the end of 2020, uh, for those who have been listening, we know we've been, we were wrapping up our Galatians Bible study today. And then uh, moving forward, we'll be diving into uh, various other topics on uh, scripture. But as always, we need to get into our Greek word of the day. Greek word of the day today is Adelphoi. Uh, so Adelphoi is, is the word for brother or cousin or relative. Um, and so just a f fun fact about this word in particular, um, when you read in the Gospel of Matthew, and I think the Gospel of Luke as well, but I could be wrong, of the story of um, Jesus uh, having, uh, it says uh, Mary and Jesus's uh, kin or Jesus's brothers, you know, went up and Jesus says, who's my brother? Who's my mother? Who's my brother? And all these things. Um, it's actually the same uh, word. It's Adelphoi. Um, and it's because in Greek, there is no word for cousin. Um, it's, it's the same word as brother. Um, so as obviously as Catholics, uh, we profess to hold for a definitive fact that Mary is a perpetual virgin and that Jesus had no biological um, siblings through Mary. Um, and so we read that as Jesus's relatives or cousins because we know Jesus had a cousin. James, one of the disciples, was a cousin of Jesus. We read about this, right? Uh, also John the Baptist, cousin of Jesus. Uh, but it's the same word in Greek. It's a Delphoi. It's always a Delphoi. Um, and so anyway, reason I picked that word is because it's actually the very first word of Galatians chapter six. And so we are going to dive into Galatians chapter six 
right now. So if you don't have your Bible handy, go ahead and open it up. Um, if you're listening to this in the car, as always, don't open your Bible while you drive. That's dangerous. Don't do that. Um, all right, so we're going to dive into Galatians chapter 6. Uh, we'll start with just the first section, which is uh, verses 1 through 10. So we read this. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith. All right, cool. So just for some context, it's been a while since we dove in. We are in this part of the letter. It's obviously the last chapter of the letter, but it's also uh, about the uh, life in the spirit, right? So in Galatians 5, we read about works of the flesh versus works of the spirit or fruit of the spirit, right? Fruit of the spirit, you know, with love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control, all those things. Um, and so in this section, St. Paul is still talking about what does it mean to live a life in the spirit? So we're still in this same context here. Um, he's just kind of wrapping it up. And so in this first section, really, he's talking about three responsibilities. So we have three responsibilities um, to others, to ourself, um, and then he, he throws in teachers as well. Um, and so what's the first responsibility? Well, our first responsibility, if you are living in the Spirit, this is what St. Paul's saying, if you are living in the Spirit, your first responsibility is to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I mean, so if you think about it, that's kind of, that's a, that's a loaded statement. So if you want to fulfill the law of Christ, if you want to live according to the law perfectly, you have to bear one another's burdens. And that's like crazy hard to do. I don't care who you are. It, it's, it's hard to do. And I think especially now in this like cancel culture that we live in, this is even more difficult, right? Because instead of bearing one another's burdens with patience and gentleness, rather we, we would just like to just cancel them. We unsubscribe, we cancel them, we say, everybody don't listen to this person anymore. Um, and it gets even harder, I think, when it comes to friends and family who have like let us down in the past. Um, and don't get me wrong, there's some prudence that goes in, involved in this where like if obviously if somebody's like hurting you um, and somebody just, you shouldn't trust with certain things and that's prudence, right? Uh, but at the same time, St. Paul's talking about, in, in context here, right? He's actually talking about the fruits of the flesh, right? So it, this is in context. So just a reminder, what are the works of, not fruits of the flesh, works of the flesh? So these are the burdens, the sins that other, these people struggle with. St. Paul is saying your, your primary duty to other people is to, to bear one another's burdens. So to help each other in our struggle against sin and against the enemy, right? So the works of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, 
envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So St. Paul is obviously addressing things that he's heard that the Galatian community is struggling with. And he's saying that your responsibility to others is to help them overcome these sins, to bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ, right? So fulfill the law of Christ. And so this is basically faith in action, right? This is, this is faith in action. You say you have faith, awesome. Help one another with each other's sins and burdens that they struggle with. You don't accept it. You don't, you don't say that's a good thing that you struggle with this, but rather you do walk with the other person through their sin, through their struggle. All right, the second thing is, is to yourself. It's a responsibility to yourself. It, it says in verse four, but let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Okay, so we have to bear each other's sins, but in that, you also have to bear your own load, your own responsibilities, your own things that you struggle with yourself, right? So if you live a life in the Spirit, if you have the fruits of the Spirit in your life, right, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control, all these things, then by the Spirit, through the grace of the Spirit, you're going to help bear each other's loads. You're also going to have to bear your own load, and you're only going to do that through the Holy Spirit that's going to empower you. And then finally, he throws in teachers. Um, so he says in verse 6, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Um, and so this is probably talking about uh, supporting those who are devoted to just teaching the word of God. We know that in, in antiquity, um, teachers basically were sponsored uh, either by a wealthy person or uh, donations via their students. So they, there wasn't like this... Uh, you know, understood thing that the state was going to pay the teachers to teach, right? There was no state-sponsored education system back in uh, St. Paul's day. And so what would happen then is if you taught because the knowledge you possessed was just so good that you wanted to teach it and you wanted to share it with others. And so then it was understood that you had a sponsor or your students donated to you to kind of support you, right? So St. Paul is saying, uh, for teachers to, one, teach what you've been taught because it's the word of God and it's the best thing possible. Uh, but he's also kind of encouraging others to like, hey, make sure like, you're sharing what's good with those who teach because like they got to eat. Um, and so we get into this other uh, metaphor of, of sowing and reaping. Um, so in verse eight, for the, the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. So we're still kind of in mind the works of the flesh, right? But the one who sows in the spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So he says, do not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. Okay, so this idea is sowing and reaping. And this terminology, I think, uh, makes some people uncomfortable because it, it sounds kind of Pelagian uh, with this idea of like you have to earn salvation or you, have to, you, you work for salvation for some, in some way. Um, that's not what St. Paul's saying. Uh, he is saying you cooperate with the Spirit, right? So as Catholics, we're not Pelagians. We, we acknowledge that God takes the first step. Uh, we receive grace as pure gift. Um, it, we're not Calvinists, right? We don't, we don't think that it's all God and not us at all, that you're either saved or condemned and that's it. No, it's, it's, we believe it's, it's somewhere in between these two poles uh, where it's a cooperation with grace. That God does give us the grace initially. We don't take the first step like Pelagian would say. Uh, we we accept the gift of, of faith as gift, right? It's the primacy of grace through faith. Um, and so St. Paul is saying, though, that there is 
a responsibility on your part and on my part, on Christian disciples' parts, to cooperate with this grace to sow good things. Because if you sow good things, you will reap, but only if you don't give up. But this is not uh, to be mistaken for like a prosperity gospel. So prosperity gospel being uh, like the people you watch on TV, like the televangelist being like, if you love the Lord, you will get all good things. He will take care of you. He will give you money and a Tesla and a private jet. No, like that's, no, the only thing Jesus promises you is a cross, right? Um, he doesn't promise you a Tesla and a Corvette um, and a private jet. Um, so no, but, but he's saying the things you will reap are namely the, the fruits of the spirit. Cause we're still in that mindset, that context of the fruits of the spirit. So you reap the fruit of the spirit if we allow the spirit to dwell in us, to be the sap that gives us life to produce the fruits of the spirit, right? Um, okay. And so finally, the last section of, of Galatians is basically just a final warning and a benediction. Uh, so we read it in verse 11 through 18. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me, to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon you and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus Christ." The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, your spirit, brothers. Amen. So this is essentially a summary of the whole letter. So taking a step back, we, we have to remind ourselves that what's the main kind of goal of Paul in this letter to the Galatian community? Well, it's a, it's a adamant letter. It's a passionate letter, and it's aggressive at some points, right? Why? Because St. Paul works so hard to set up these church communities in Galatia, in the province of Galatia, yet the circumcision party, namely the party uh, of disciples of Jesus who believed that in order to be a true disciple of Jesus, you had to uphold the ceremonial works of the law, namely circumcision, calendar, and dietary restrictions, right? The ceremonial works of the law. And this is a Big deal, right? It's a big enough deal to where the very first council that the church ever had, it's in the book of Acts, the Council of Jerusalem, was literally there to discuss whether or not converts had to be circumcised. This is obviously a big deal if you're trying to evangelize adult men. Because if you're trying to evangelize adult men and say, oh yeah, you know, Jesus is our savior. He's so good. Like he offers you eternal life. And the adult men are like, oh, wow, that sounds pretty great. Yeah, let's let's jump on that. What do I need to do? They're like, oh, just be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Like what's, what's, what's that entail? It's like, you know, we'll, we'll baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit with water. Oh, that doesn't sound too bad. And then you got to be circumcised. Okay. Maybe not, right? It's a big deal. This is a huge deal. And St. Paul is adamantly opposed to the need of circumcision and to need of the ceremonial law to be a follower of Jesus Christ, right? Um, and so here in this last section, he's basically saying, avoid the circumcisers, the circumcision party, and focus on the cross, right? What does he say? 
For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. They're just doing it to just to say, oh, look what I did. I convinced these people to be circumcised. That's how awesome of an evangelist I am. And so, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Right? So circum- you can be circumcised, you can be uncircumcised, it don't matter, right? And, and we talked about this a few episodes back, but the church still holds this stance. Basically, the, what the church says is that you can choose to circumcise your son um, or be circumcised, or you cannot. Like, either way is kosher. Cool. Like, fine. Um, what One thing we, we can't say is we can't say that circumcision is immoral on grounds of its mutilation, right? Because it's not mutilation. Mutilation is an inherent evil. Um, we know that, right? Um, mutilation is an inherent evil. The Catechism talks about this. Uh, but if we, and if we say circumcision was, is mutilation and therefore an inherent evil, um, then we would have to then say that an inherent evil was done to Jesus by Mary, right? And so, and we know that wasn't the case, right? Um, and so, Basically, it's not mutilation. Uh, it's also not necessary. But St. Thomas Aquinas actually uh, speaks very eloquently and beautifully on uh, the grace actually brought through circumcision in the Old Testament. Um, and so, uh, anyway, if you want to look up more uh, on that topic, you can you know listen to a couple episodes back where we talked about it more, um, or Google St. Thomas Aquinas on circumcision. You'll probably find some super interesting stuff and hopefully find what he actually says and not what other people says. He says, he said, right? Anyway, um, so... Circumcision, you can do it, you cannot do it. Only thing that matters is that we are all new creations in Jesus Christ, right? The only thing that matters is that we have all been incorporated into this mystical body of Jesus Christ. Um, and finally, in verse 17, which I think is just a fascinating verse, says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, right? Because he's annoyed at the circumcision party at this point, right? He's been fighting them for a long time. He argued with them uh, with St. Peter. Um, St. Peter was on his team and he, he admonished St. Peter. We read about that earlier in the letter to Galatians. Um, and he even, he's even writing this with his own hand, you know, back in verse 11, he says, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. Namely, he literally took the pen from his scribe. And instead of having like a nice little letter that his scribe had worked really hard on, he literally just write like giant letters and finish this, this last section with his own hand. Right. And cause that's how much this means. And this is how important this is. But he says, in verse 17, from now on, let no one cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus Christ. Namely, um, scars, right? St. Paul was stoned. He was beaten. He was scourged. He was, I mean, shipwrecked. I mean, this dude had just gotten through, he's gone through so much by this point for the cross of Jesus Christ because he has been crucified to Christ and Christ to him. He, his goal is to be cruciform, right? His cruciformity is to take on the cross of Jesus Christ in order to look like Jesus Christ on the cross because that is the way to salvation is to be united with Christ on the cross. And so uh, some people actually read this as if St. Paul might have had this stigmata, namely um, the holes in the hands and the side and then his feet. Um, there, I don't, there's not a lot of evidence for that um, other than this verse. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. Is it possible? Yeah. In fact, that'd be super dope. Um, but for sure, we can say that, it, that he's at least talking about the scars that he bore for the sake of Jesus Christ, namely the fact that he got scourged, he got stoned, he got beat, he got shipwrecked. I mean, St. Paul 
I mean, you have to imagine how different St. Paul looked while writing this letter as opposed to when he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. I mean, he, he, ha- he literally probably looked just completely different because of the scars that he bore for Jesus Christ. So he was literally a walking witness for Jesus Christ through the scars that he bore for Jesus Christ. Um, and so this letter, right, um, if, you, if you're just jumping on for the first time, I encourage you to uh, go back and listen. Um, but essentially, what's this letter about? It's three, par- three parts, right? The gospel, it's Paul's gospel, right? Uh, the promise that Jesus Christ offers and, and freedom in the spirit, life in the spirit. And so St. Paul, I mean, his letter is super intense. Um, it's, it's, it's aggressive at some points. It's, it's uh, not a fluffy, nice letter like first and second Thessalonians. Um, but it, it's arguably one of the most important letters that St. Paul wrote. Uh, why? Because we get so much rich theology behind the, the narrative arguments that he says, behind the, the syllogism that he builds against the circumcision party and for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the gospel of grace and truth. And so I hope you've enjoyed uh, this Bible study. This is your first one being like, oh, wow, I probably would enjoy this Bible study. Well, then go back and listen to those episodes. Um, they're all on Spotify or the Apple um, podcast. Um, the, all the episodes will also be on YouTube from this point on. So if you uh, want to watch the episodes instead of just listening to them, go to St. Teresa Catholic Church and School on YouTube. Um, it's a, you see a little cross as our logo um, and you'll see a bunch of videos and you'll see my face all over the place because that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us on Catholics with Bibles. Once again, if you have not liked or subscribed or left a review, please do so. And we'll see you next time. God bless y'all.